This is episode 237 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today, together, we are going to uncover the number one enemy to your intuitive eating journey with a guest, Victoria Wellsby, also known as the Fierce Fatty. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food method and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image, and food. It's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, sisters. Welcome back. And I got to say, today is a exciting conversation we're going to have. It is one of the most juicy interview I've had the pleasure to do for this podcast over the last couple of years. This woman, this guest of ours today, popped into my inbox with the most catchy email subject line that I've had seen. Like she pitched herself with absolute full confidence to be a guest on the podcast. And I've shared sometime on some social media, I get a lot of requests to be on this podcast. And I say no to 95% of them because they're diet culture trying to sneak in to our feed here. But this girl, my hat's off to her. Like I saw the subject line, read the first two lines. I'm like, I got to have her on the podcast and guess what? It was one of the most juicy conversation I've had. This is a very authentic conversation between two women, and it's going to be extremely empowering for you that are at home alone, starting going through your journey of intuitive eating in a larger body size, or even people in a, call it, quote, normal, regular body size, this will also be very empowering to you. Um, Both me and Victoria share so many life experience that went down the same path in our past and even now. And this common factor between both of us is our body size and our resilience and never giving up. So who's the guest? Victoria Wellesley. She's a world leading expert on body image and confidence, TEDx speaker and an author. She overcame a lot of things in her life from homeless to abuse to uh, low self-esteem from a very young age to become today one of the most courageous fat activists and change maker. You will fall in love with her. And she helps women in her own practice to create body confidence and shift the way they see their body. So today we're going to talk about internalized fat phobia, determining if you are fat phobic, no matter what the size of your body is, are you fat phobic? And I got to say, I think I can almost predict the answer for all of us here, but stay tuned to the interview. You'll see. 
Um, Victoria is going to teach you what to do with fat phobic thought. And I share my own experience with fat phobic thought, which will likely surprise you. We're going to talk about the interplay between fat phobia, internalized fat phobia and intuitive eating. Something that the next point is a bit of a sensitive point to some of my colleague, but how the size of the body, the body size of your intuitive eating teacher will influence your own fat phobia. And Victoria has a great quote, and she says in the interview, you can't be what you can't see. And I'll keep you there as you listen to the interview. And we close the interview with the intersection between feminism and internalized fat phobia. And I got to say, as a feminist, that was a very, to me, the most interesting part of the interview. And I want to welcome all of you that are perhaps afraid of the term feminism to really pay attention to the last 10 minutes of the interview, because you will realize how internalized fat phobia is how patriarchy holds you back. The thing that is injected in our mind at a very young age that holds us back from our power. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, Victoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here and I can't wait to geek out with you about what we're going to talk about today. Thank you. Um, One question I always like uh, my guests to speak on is their own personal hero's journey and how they got to do what they're doing today from a lived experience. So do you mind sharing with us how you came to be here on this podcast today? What's your journey? Yeah, so... um, I have a story which is probably similar to a lot of people um, being younger and understanding that my body wasn't okay for the reasons I decided that I was a little bit chubby. We're looking back, I wasn't, but I had decided that my body wasn't good enough because of lots of different messages, maybe from, you know, my family, from media, from cartoons I was watching, et cetera, et cetera. And um, growing up, I started to try and manipulate my weight by eating certain foods or over-exercising um, and continued that, that journey and uh, had terrible low self-esteem because I had I did end up having a bigger body and I, I do have a bigger body. Um, I saw that as a, a fatal flaw, a character flaw, uh, something that I had to make up with, um, make up to the people around me. So I was the best friend, the best girlfriend, the best in the class, you know, overachiever to make up for this grotesque part of my character was, you know, living in that bigger body. And um, I carried on like that for for uh, many years until my mid-20s when I discovered a message on the internet that said it's okay to be fat and I was like what what do you mean it's okay no it's not okay to be fat I was this is really strange and so I started looking into that and then I discovered um that diets don't work and I was like yeah they don't work well how have I never discovered this it's not that I'm just so greedy and lazy and I got really obsessed with um learning about intuitive eating Eventually, I uh, trained to be a coach and 
it's been my life's mission to spread the message. Hey, it's okay to be fat. Hey, diets don't work. Um, fat people are just normal people like the rest of people in the world. And you can do amazing things and have an amazing life, even if you have a bigger body. So, and that's why I'm here today is to spread that message. That's a very powerful story and so common and an mm. inspiration to the women listening to this podcast. Now, as, as I began this interview, when you first called me, I was watching your uh, TEDx talk. So for anyone who wants to know more about your story, you have a pretty cool way of talking about your ex-boyfriend in there. And I just giggled my way through it. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's worth watching. Yes, it is. And don't, don't uh, stop watching until you get to the very end because there's a little surprise there for you teaser for everyone we won't say anymore yes. you have to go watch the link is in the show notes of that TEDx talk but the reason I wanted to have you on the show today is to talk about uh, how our own relationship to our body our fear of being fat fat phobia weight stigma but from an internalized perspective can impact our relationship to food And is, there's mm. a sentence I hear all the time, and tell me if you're the same thing. It's okay for you to be in a bigger body, but not for me. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I hear this all the time. Being like, you're beautiful, you're amazing, but me, even though I have pretty much the exact same body, I'm disgusting and ugly and need to lose weight. And I'm like, we have the same body. What's wrong with your eyes? Like, um, I, yeah, I hear it all the time. And, and that is uh, a lot of the time, a lot to do with internalized fat phobia. Can you explain to folks like what is internalized fat phobia? So we all clear and there's no doubt if you are experiencing internalized fat phobia after the end of your commentary here. Yeah, so um, fat phobia, the fear of fat bodies, um, fat people. And we say fear, it's not really a phobia as in like, oh my God, get away. But I'm sure there are some people who are like, oh my God, get away. Uh, but it's the dislike, the, the disdain, um, disgust uh, towards fat. Now, if you're living in a smaller body, then you will have, uh, you will experience fat phobia. If you're living in a bigger body, body, then it, it's an internal thing to yourself and to other people. And to work out if you have fat phobic thoughts, um, if you have a brain and live on the planet Earth, then you do have fat phobic thoughts. Everyone who is uh, been exposed to the culture that we've all been exposed to, which is fat bodies are bad and, you know, you need to become thin to become worthy, have fat phobic thoughts. Even I have fat phobic thoughts. Um, obviously, my fat phobic thoughts are very far in between. They don't happen often, but they will still come up because we are being bombarded with anti-fat messages day in, day out. And so you would literally, it, it's literally impossible not to have fat phobic thoughts and um, let that uh, affect the way that you're relating to food, relating to your body and relating to other fat bodies and the rest of the world. 
That's a beautiful description. And, and it's totally right. If you live on planet Earth, you are, were, and have to work constantly on managing your mind, on coaching yourself out of fat phobia. That's mm -hmm. why the mindset piece is so critical in this journey. Because literally, your, our brain runs the way we engage with life. And if we yeah. don't manage our brain, we will forever hold internalized fat phobia. Yeah. And the thing is, we're always going to live on planet Earth, mm. theoretically. And so we're always going to come across messages, whether they be aggressive um, anti-fat messages or the gentler one that kind of, uh, you know, slips in under the surface and you don't realize it. And so it's a constant battle to try and um, stop internalizing those negative messages and do stuff to combat your own fat phobia. Mm, yeah, I was uh, having a discussion with one of the professional that I'm mentoring, and she's in the smaller body. So she has experience and lived through thin privilege. And we were dissecting if she was fat phobic. And I think it's an interesting point here. She wasn't afraid of fat body, but she had a layer of judgment how people came to be in a fat body. Mm. right and that's also fat phobia right mm -hmm. perhaps it's yeah. not just the shell of fat but it's also the behavior and how we created this yeah yeah exactly and it's it can be it could be from any direction right and mm -hmm. so a fat phobic thought that I had uh I, it was about a couple of years ago now but I just remember it because I was like Victoria what the hell are you thinking is I saw someone walking down the street in a bigger body and they had a limp and they were using a um a stick and this thought just popped into my head of if they weren't fat they wouldn't be limping And I was like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Like, what? And that's because there was something going on there that I hadn't worked on. And that's fat phobia. Like, how on earth can we look at a, someone um, in, a, in a bigger body and know their health status, know what's going on in their brain, know what, um, you know, their lived experience and their story we we simply can't know and individually and uh on the mass scale like fat people in general um it's always it's always going to come up in in different ways and so noticing when you have a judgment it's really really helpful because you can be like aha uh -huh, i'm having i'm i'm judging myself or i'm judging others now that's kind of interesting i wonder why i believe that and you know working on why you believe that fat a fat person has a limp because they're so fat or, or whatever it is that you're believing yeah and it's as you said it's about how we deal with those thoughts so now that we know what like we drill a little bit further into internalized fat phobia and we pretty much guarantee that all of us listening or talking here today have internalized fat phobia how do we begin the journey to work ourselves out of that state because it does affect how we engage with food, how we engage with health, how we engage with our relationship. Like it has pervasive effect through our whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's absolutely something mm -hmm. that, that you can do. Um, so really what, what it is, is we're afraid of becoming um, fat or fatter mm -hmm. because we are afraid of what that means about us as a person. Um, so 
Can you be fat and healthy? Can you be fat and lovable? Can you be fat and be accepted by the people you want to be accepted by? And the answer is yes, and sometimes no. Um, but you know, it, it is possible to be fat and healthy and fat and, and lovable and fat and all of the things that you want to be and fat and accepted. What it boils down to is is we're afraid of being rejected um, because we believe that being fat deep down automatically means that we're less lovable as a human being. And so getting through... Um, and educating yourself on the realities of what if I did become fatter or fat, uh, what would happen? Like, could I survive? Could I live in that body? And the answer is probably yes. And things might be difficult, more difficult for you. Um, and you're having these fears because you deep down, you believe that, um, you know, whatever it is that you believe that you're not going to be happy, you won't be able to get a partner or whatever. Um, surrounding yourself with the messages that show that that there are happy fat people out there and to show fat bodies doing the things that you don't n normally um think about with with fat bodies. So fat bodies running around, fat bodies with loads of uh men hanging off their arms and you know fat bodies being happy and all that type of jazz um so examining the thought getting deep on what's really behind this why am i so terrified to eat this food why do i believe eating this this food or this food group or whatever it is is going to make me automatically fat and what's wrong with being fat what do I think it's going to take from my life or make harder for me? Mm. Is that based in reality? Is is it um, a truth and a uh, is it a fact? And a fact is something that's a hundred percent true a hundred percent of the time. And so, if something is not uh, a fact, then it's a belief. And because it's a belief, it means that you can change that belief. You can change your mind about it. So it's it's a it's it's a job, but it, it can be done. Yeah, and I like the way you're approaching it because it's very similar to how we teach it in the self-coaching approach. It's a CBT approach, right? Cognitive behavior therapy. Mm -hmm. And it yep. is. Many people think that, for an example, carb will make you fat or carb will make you gain weight. That's not a fact. That's a yeah. perspective, right? And yes. people don't know the difference between fact and perspective. Yes, exactly, right? And it's it's kind of like all or nothing. Yes. Like if I, if I get fat, then I'm going to die, you know, yes. because fat people die. And, and it's like, I will you, like, is that true that if you eat one thing, you're just going to spontaneously combust? Is, is that what happens? And that black and white thinking is something that's retaught really with um, diet culture. Yeah. And, and it's something that as human being, we love, mm -hmm. we, because it makes things simple. We don't have to question. Yeah. Right. It does, yeah, totally. We we love it, right? Because then you can be, you can be really right about something, and you can feel good when you know you're right for doing this, and that person is wrong for doing that, or that belief is wrong and that belief is right. Where whereas the reality is, um, there's always shades of grey. You know, mm. there's not not many things in in the world is you know black and white like that, and that's more difficult and that's scary to think in shades of grey versus black and white. Yeah, because it does require us to question everything. Yeah. 
And that's hard. Yes, right? (laughs) What do you mean? I can't trust what I'm seeing on Google? Like, if I can't trust Google, who am I going to trust then? Right? I know. And then when you're like, when you're looking at your body and you know for a fact that your your body is wrong and disgusting and to think, is it? Is is that empirically true? And then to have to examine that, that that you've you've bought into a belief your whole life, which is not based in truth is, is a real mindfuck. Yes, it is. And it gets you to change how you outwardly behave. So let's talk about the segment between internalized fat phobia and food. Because one impacts tremendously the other because we're holding this belief in our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we've decided as a society and on the individual basis what foods are good and what foods are bad. And a lot of the time these rules are nonsensical or sometimes there's some science behind them. But um, basically we've decided if we eat this food or too much of this food, something bad is going to happen. And that bad thing is that I'm going to get fat or fatter. I'm going to become unhealthy and I'm going to die. And that's a big thing to think you're going to basically die, which is like what the, what the basic thing is from um, what we're feeling to then say, no, it's okay. Eat that food. When in the back of your mind, you're like, Oh my God, if I eat it, I'm going to get fat and I'm going to get sick, and I'm going to die. And it's just so difficult to take the action to eat the food, to allow yourself these foods you've decided are um, going to make you unhealthy and fat and all that type of stuff. And going back to those beliefs are not based in reality. And even if you did become fat, and even if you did become unhealthy, can you handle it can you you know can you live with that and what is health you know can you be 100% healthy Uh, are people 100% unhealthy Um, examining health as a social construct and once you start looking into that of eating this one thing isn't going to make me die then it's a lot easier and so you're able to trust your body and know that your body isn't trying to kill you by making you eat these foods you've decided that that are not good for you. And your body uh, really is doing its best to heal itself, heal your brain, heal your relationship with food, and to really trust that um, you can trust what it says that you want to, you know, what what you want to eat and what you need to eat for whatever reason. Yeah, because when we look at the principle of intuitive eating for say, right? And we drill down what I find to be the most difficult when women a don't know they have internalized fat phobia or they know, but they won't let it go is the unconditional permission to eat. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's a lot harder when you're living in a bigger body. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, because a lot of intuitive eating is taught by Uh, people in smaller bodies. And so there might be the thought of, well, if I, if I start intuitive eating, then I might look like that person who's teaching it, who is thin, because you never know, I might lose weight. And there's that secret desire to who knows what's going to happen with intuitive eating, I might become really thin, because that's where my body should be naturally. 
And uh, it's it's really, really scary if you do start putting on weight because all of your greatest fears are, are coming true, mm. that you're out of control and you're just so greedy and uh, thin people don't experience this and thin people, they're just eating, you know, little bits of dust and celery. And whereas fat people are eating so much, which is actually not true. Studies have shown that uh, fat people uh, tend to eat less than straight sized people. Um, yeah, and so it, it just things are just more difficult when you're doing intuitive eating in a bigger body. I think it's a very uh, interesting angle to look at the um, body size of the person teaching you intuitive eating. I never considered that, but it's true because it will for people perhaps in a larger body holding on to internalized fat phobia will continue to put fuel in the fire of holding on to the fact that they will get smaller. Yeah. Because and that's what happened to my teacher, right? That's what happened to the person teaching me this. Why? What What happened? Th that they are in a smaller body as the outcome oh, okay. of intuitive eating. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I always say, um, if you're not learning, even in part intuitive eating uh, from someone in a bigger body, then your education is incomplete. Ooh. If you're not getting that, that information um, from someone who looks like you, then yeah, your education is incomplete. Can you expand a little bit on that? Because uh, someone living in a bigger body has had the experiences and understands what it's like the fears of intuitive eating when your body is not small and society doesn't accept that body and that um, that fear around health too so you know people who are teaching intuitive eating who have smaller bodies it's presumed that they're healthy and if someone is in a bigger body because of fat phobia and healthism, it's assumed that they're not as healthy. And so um, having a role model at the very least, if you, you know, can follow someone on um, Instagram mm -hmm. or something, someone who's doing this living in a, in a bigger body is so important. And also um, the different sizes of a bigger body. So I'm a, a small medium fat, mm -hmm. but how much more powerful would it be to learn from someone who is a bigger fat person, someone who's a super fat person and them to show how they intuitively eat and what they do in their day to day lives. Mm -hmm. It would be so inspiring. Oh my God, I want that. Yeah. I want that to happen. Yeah. Well, I think the reason why that happened in my opinion is because I, so I'm a health professional in a, in a bigger body. And I can tell you that when I go to professional setting of people in my field, I'm typically in the larger body in the room. Mm. There's a ton of a ton. There's a number of health professional out there in larger body who don't practice, stop practicing, or dare not come out in public mm. because I'm of fat phobia. Yeah, I was just about to say, and that's fat phobia. Yes, big time. Mm -hmm. Because even, you know, health professionals who hopefully have education around health at every size, around intuitive eating, I don't know if they do or not, um, 
they should be able to recognize someone in a larger body and be like, oh, you know, they're just they're just like another normal human being. Um, but you know, because you know, you saying that is it's it's really sad that some people have stopped practicing. Um, and I think about that as well from the perspective of patients coming to yes. um, practitioners and if they don't look like what they want to look like, even if they're trying to heal their relationship with food, it's going to stop them from engaging them because they're, they're afraid to look like like that person. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, again, is fat phobia, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then so it prevents you from getting a different perspective approach to health. It it prevents you from healing your own fat phobia because you're constantly reinforcing that dream fantasy body or space you want to be in and never really letting go and making peace with your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a quote. I can't remember who said it, but you, but it's it's partially true, partially not true. You can't be what you can't see, mm. and to see a fat person having a a beautiful relationship with food that you know trust and loving their fat body, seeing that just that is revolutionary. And even if you never learn from that person, because it's so you so rarely see it, because every time we see fat characters, um, fat stories, it's always like, oh, I just love eating food. And oh, I'm just so sad, lonely and miserable. I can never get a day. And, you know, all those stereotypes about fat people. So just seeing um, a fat person who is an intuitive eater and is just like, I am amazing mm -hmm. is is life changing. I'd, I'd be curious to ask you this question. What is your perspective as to when or how far away are we of being in a society that will be neutral about weight? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Maybe 100 years. Yeah. 100 years, maybe. Um, the thing is, like, uh, when people come to work with me, uh, they're like, I listened to this podcast and I read this book and I still don't love my fat body. And I'm like, okay, so you've, you know, you've got maybe, a, you know, a handful of messages to say it's okay to be fat, but the, but society day to day, you're getting hundreds of messages and think how long you've been alive. You've received billions of messages. And so to combat that, you need to get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages saying it's okay to be fat. And I look at society and the amount of messages that we have currently saying it's not okay to be fat. It's like 99.999% of the messages around bodies is it's not okay to be fat. And that tiny 0.1% saying maybe it's okay. And so it's a long way off. Um, there is a, there is a big movement for celebrate your body. But then there's a big but, dot, 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 as long as you're healthy. Mm -hmm. And that is really an unhelpful message. Or um, love your curves, but only if you're an hourglass shape and only if you've got big round tits and they're perky and a big bum and flat stomach and, you know, that stereotypical hourglass pinup shape. But if you don't look like that, then mm, that's kind of ugly. So it's kind of it's starting and it's it's problematic, but maybe in a hundred years, we'll look back and be like, I can't believe we used to talk like this about fat people or say this about fat people. But yeah, it's a long way off. Well, in the same way that a hundred years ago, when fat body were the desirable body, they would be looking at what happened in the 80s, 90s or 70s. And they're like, what? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think this discussion point is interesting because it reinforces the need for all of us listening that if we want to get there, because we know that's the way through true healing, we're going to have to do our own work and we're going to have to constantly reinforce this message within ourselves. Like it's not something we can let to society to change our mind. We're going to have to actively step into our own healing. Mm -hmm. Because if you leave it to society, you're just going to still hate your fat body or hate fat bodies because society isn't delivering that message. So Mm -hmm. you have to do the work yourself. Yeah. I know that you do work with folks, I don't know if it's women or men, but I know you do work with people around um, accepting their body. So how do you approach it with your own population or your own clients? Yeah, so with my people, I I tend to work with with women, uh, mostly. And it's getting down to really it's dismantling your own fat phobia it's mm. it's getting down to what you think about fat bodies what you hope to achieve when you get a thin body which is like you have to let go of the idea that you're going to have a thin body and then when you get a thin body you know we have in our minds when i become thin brad pitt's going to be blowing up my phone money's going to rain down from the sky i'm just people are going to love me like all of this you know stupid shit that's not going to happen anyway or you know it can happen in the body you are right now and so letting go of the idea that you have to be thin before you go and ride a bike or wear a crop top or wear a bikini or whatever it is that you want to do right now and building up the confidence the confidence and resilience um to do those things and so um understanding what's going on in your brain and then taking action and that's what a lot of people don't do is they'll they'll read up about fat phobia and um understand it but they never take any action and then they're like well but why am I why do I still hate my body and why don't I feel more confident well to feel more confident in your body you have to do stuff while you're afraid you can't wait till you feel confident because it's not going to come unless you take action and do the thing while you're shitting your pants and uh it doesn't matter how scared you are just do something even if it's something little um but obviously it's not little to you then you'll become more confident and then before you know it you'll be like walking around the streets in your bra and you know don't care what people think you probably won't do that but (laughs) but you know that's the gem of the whole interview here take action while you're scared shit yeah yeah, you have you you just have to. There's a quote that changed my life. So um, I live in in Canada. Normally, I'm in Ireland at the moment. But before I came to Canada, like 11 years ago, I was just such a scared person. And um, I wanted to I wanted to move to Canada where my sister was. And I was just like, I can't I can't leave my hometown. I'm too scared. And she sent me a quote, which is um, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And that quote, as soon as I read it, I was like, okay, that's it done. And I booked my tickets and I moved to Canada and I never looked back. And I think that's the thing that, that people don't realize. I think they they think that one day you're just going to magically wake up and be like, oh my God, I'm Beyonce and feel amazing. But to get to that feel amazing, Mm -hmm. you have to be terrified a lot to get there. 
And you have to take action while being terrified, not knowing what the outcome will be and be willing to yeah. have faith. Exactly. And knowing that you can survive, yes. theoretically, as long as you're not going to be killed, you can survive <laughs> no matter what the outcome. So with my TED with my TEDx talk, I wasn't nervous beforehand. And people would, you know, my friends would be coming up to me and being like, you must be terrified because I was the last um, person uh, of the day closing the show no big deal uh, but um they were like you you must be terrified and I was like no um you know I'm excited I can't wait to get on stage and do this and stuff because I knew like what's the worst that can happen I and I came up okay what is the worst that can happen is that um I have diarrhea on the stage and then like run off crying like that is the worst <laughs> like that's the worst possible react thing that could happen right and if that did happen would that become like this really interesting story to tell would yes. that mean that i'll get another chance to do a tedx talk about talk about the time that i had a tedx talk and shit my pants on stage would that become a hilarious story probably you know would i feel really embarrassed probably but could i survive yes and so if that is the worst that could happen and i know i can survive then what's to be afraid of you know so i might flood my lines like who cares i'm a human being so you know, you can survive. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because when I coach people and I talk about moving through fear, I'm like, always ask yourself the question, will you die? Is there a potential death as an outcome of this action? Yeah. <laughs> and 99% of the time it's like, no. So yeah. then it's a sign that there is growth on the other side. Yes. Yes. Right. But our brains are telling no. us you are going to die. If you wear that crop top, yes. there's a potential you're going to die because our, um, the society could reject us. And if our um, if our friend circle, if the people around yes. us reject us, we could be stranded and alone and human beings. We need to be within groups of people to survive. And so, you know, our reptile brain is saying, yes, yes, you are going to die from wearing the crop top. But now we're in 2020. We have to tell our brain, no, it's it's fine. It's just a crop top. It's all okay. That is the power of managing your brain. Like, yeah. And often as women, we are conditioned to let our brain manage us, right? Not take control and live off the fears that society has taught us to be afraid, like being in a bigger body. And we live our entire life victimized by our own brains. Mm -hmm. Yes, so much. Yes. And um, thinking about, you know, why do we have these fears as women? Like where, where have they come from and why are they there? And a lot of times um, it's to keep us in a place of submission yes. and so that we don't grow, so that we don't take power back from um, the dominant uh, class, from like old, rich, white men. Mm -hmm. um, if we're afraid, if we're busy dieting and trying to keep our bodies small, we have nothing left to give to try and challenge the status quo. Um, and fear is the most powerful motivator to keep you stuck. Exactly. And even like for me, I'll, I'll give my example of my own career in the corporate world, I did very, very well. And I broke the glass ceiling. And I went where no man had been. But and here's the big but I didn't do it out of love. I did it out of fear of being in the bigger body and needing to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And that got me really, really sick. Yeah, 
Because yeah. I was constantly under anxiety and stress. Yes, I so resonate with that. Um, that idea that you're having to prove yourself because yes. you're in a bigger body to say, you know, I can still work hard, really hard. I can still be such an available, valuable employee. And I was the same. Like I was um, in in corporate recruitment for nine years and I was the best in the country at what I did mm. for the largest recruitment agency in the country. And I still felt like, yeah, but I'm fat, you know, yeah. But yeah. this achievement is kind of like, mm, but if I did it while I was thin, then I would really be the best, which is totally irrational and bullshit because you know it had nothing to do with with my weight yeah and 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 i was responding to the fear you were responding yeah. to the fear of not being good enough instead of breaking the glass ceiling and being the top performer from a straight place of doing what you love in life and using your skill set and your gift that you were given Mm-hmm. Two different places, same action, two different places, different sets of emotion, and that gives different health outcome. It was yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think about that as well. Um, you know, that fear and getting to that place, but it not being kind of the right thing. And and the same with relationships of me performing in relationships and saying yes to thing and things and not setting boundaries because I want it to be the mm, best, yes. most liked, most agreeable. And that was really hurting me. And I could still be, you know, agreeable and liked and all that type of stuff while setting boundaries, while looking after my own health and while not, um, you know, saying Yes, when I mean no, because I'm afraid that people are not going to like me because of my fat body. Mm. It, this is a juicy conversation here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and so going back to food and diet culture, that's the same thing. You can be an intuitive eater from a place of wanting to fit into that smaller body, but you can also be an intuitive eater being at peace with your body. Yeah. But the outcome will be very different, right? When Mm -hmm. you're an intuitive eater seeking weight loss, you're fully not expressing intuitive eating. Exactly. It's kind of like your foot is one foot's in and one foot's out. And when, when you're one foot in, it just means the whole process is going to take so much longer. Like that, and, and it's fine no matter how long the process takes, but when people are struggling, a lot of the times yes. it's down to the fact that they're afraid to be fat and they're afraid to trust themselves because if they trust themselves, they're going to get fat and unhealthy and die. Um, and so working on that thing is absolutely critical for success in intuitive eating. Yeah. And it's, and I want to say the same thing I observe when I teach intuitive eating, when people are struggling, it's 99% is that fat phobia that's holding them back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, if, if everyone knew that, then they would never need a coach because yeah. you're like, I'm, it's not working for me. What could it be? It's fat phobia. I'm struggling with this. What could it be? It's, it's fat phobia. <laughs> I don't want to eat this food. What is it? It's fat phobia. And that's, that's frustrating for people to hear because they're like, well, is it like, but it's not, you know, but I've fixed my fat phobia, but it's, it's, it's a journey. And to realize that even the most experienced people out there, the people who are teaching it still have fatophobic thoughts, even though they might be very few and far between, it's still always going to be there no matter what, because you're a human being and you're being manipulated with messages that we hear every single day of our lives. 
And I like to say, like, it, it is the same thing for me. I have fat phobic thoughts, not consistently, but they pop up and, and I like to make fun of them. It's like an old neuron connection that's mm. like choop, wired together, like hasn't been wired for like a couple of years. Like all of a sudden wants to test if it's still available, like, choop, are you going to react? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and, and your brain is kind of like, huh, that was interesting. That's not happened a lot. What, what happened there brain? And yes. your brain's like, oh, I was just trying it out. And you can be like, mm, don't think like that anymore. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I won't think that again. Okay. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> I can see the thought, but I'm not reacting to it. Right. I'm not going yeah. on a diet. I'm not depriving myself of food. I'm you know, like, I'm constantly, but it still happened. Yes. But, and I want to come back to feminism just to close this a little bit or what's holding us back often of fat phobia. And that's what I observe. And you tell me if it's the same for you. It's the fear of going against what society wants us to do, think and be. Like there's a mm. fear also for women are like, what do you mean? That's not what people want me to do. I can't do what someone doesn't want me to do. Mm-hmm. As in being in a, in a bigger body. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we often live our whole goddamn lives thinking, what do others think of me? How am I being perceived? And everyone's walking around with the exact same thought of, am I, uh, you know, am I good enough? Am I lovable? Do people like me? Are my jokes funny? Is my hair looking good? And you're walking past someone and being like, oh, I love her hair. And, and in her head, what's going on with me today? And oh my God, are my shoes too this? And da, 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 da. And everyone's just in their heads being and feeling like they should be this certain person because, um, you know, patriarchy and diet culture Mm -hmm. and all of this, uh, you know, norms that we have to adhere to. We're all trying to fit in so that we're loved but the reality is as soon as we're genuine versions of ourselves whatever that might be we're instantly more lovable we're instantly uh, more able to connect with people when we're being our true selves and and you know accepting who we are versus being ashamed and trying to fit in and not be authentic um but it's very hard to do that especially when we have a society that is so overtly fat phobic because mm-hmm. you are potentially going to have people say oh you've put on weight or oh you used to be really thin or or whatever and so um you having to deal with it in your own brain but also deal with other people's bullshit standards that they've put on you which they are suffering because they're adhering to yes. as well so we're all just suffering for no reason it's just yeah. silly yeah, yeah 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 so how do people can take the next step with you if they really like this conversation and they're like i'm really connecting with her what's the next step with you yeah so um you can hop on over to my website and there's a button right there and i I believe you'll link to it in the show notes as well um, I have a free webinar and, we, and we'll go in depth in all of these these topics that we've we've spoken about today. And it's called the four simple steps to feel confident in your body and around food, even if you believe it's not possible. And the big thing about that is people might be listening to both of us and saying, oh, like they've got it all figured out. They 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 have this secret source. And but I'm not that type of person. I I can't get there. And my background is um, 
I I used to be homeless. I used to be abused. I used to have um, the lowest self-esteem. I used to be terrified to talk to people. There's no way I could ever talk to you like this, like 15 years ago. It just would never have happened. Um, And I overcame a lot of things to get to where I am today. All saying that to say that whatever your background is, you can get to a place where you're more comfortable with your body, where you're more confident with food. It is possible. Um, So if you come along to my webinar, then you'll learn more about that juicy stuff. Amazing. So all the links will be in the show note of your TEDx talk and your website as well for people to take the webinar. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. I think I could talk to you all day. Yes. Thank you for coming on on the show. Thank you. There you have it, sisters. Did you learn something? I learned a lot, but mostly I found a friend. So I have a a few journaling prompt for you because I think when we leave this interview here, a lot of us realized a lot of things and we need to work through some of those thoughts and those realizations. So I want you to grab a pen and a paper and to write this down here. And I want you to journal on those prompt. Imagine yourself if you were to gain weight. Then ask the question, what would it be like to go through that process of gaining weight? Would you be afraid of getting fat if you were thin? Third prompt, would you be afraid of getting fatter if you are already fat? Fourth one, would you fear how you would be treated if you were to gain weight? Fifth, Or would you fear having more fat on your body or both? And the last one, why do you think that is? Now, if you're new to the journey of intuitive eating, you may want to go grab our intuitive eating guide. It's in the show notes. And also you can go to our website, stephaniedozy.com slash start. And after answering those questions, perhaps getting started with intuitive eating is the right place for you. Or if you've been doing intuitive eating on your own and you're struggling, still our guide and the community-based email behind that will help you tremendously. As always, if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate if you can leave us a review. And also we've got another very interesting episode coming up next week. It's all about sugar cravings. When I look at my inbox, our business inbox, and I look at the topic people email me the most about, I gotta say like 75% of the women that reach out to me, their number one or their first topic with me is sugar cravings. So I think that's gonna help a lot of people at the beginning stage of intuitive eating. I love you sister, and I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode. 